Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. Excited, as always, to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you. Though it is a cold and dreary Wednesday as I'm recording this, and it was a cold and dreary night on Tuesday at Coors Field as the Colorado Rockies dropped another big clunker. Uh, these blowouts are starting to pile up, so I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about Herman Marquez. This might be a little bit shorter of one because even though it's been a couple of days since we've done a podcast, uh, they've only played the one game. There are a couple of issues that I want to get into, but I want to save that for a show of their own. And so, you know, breaking down a, a 10 to 2 loss here, as I've said with other blowouts, you, you have to be careful about overanalyzing these things. And so I thought I would take a step back and, and take a look at the two biggest issues I think that came out of this game that also apply to the rest of the season, right? The first thing I want to talk about is, as I mentioned, the blowouts. The Rockies now uh, have done this several times, right? And it was interesting to see that interesting is a, is a word choice uh, to, to see them do it at home because we're far more used to seeing them do it out on the road, right? We saw couple of them in Philly. We saw one in Detroit when Miguel Cabrera got his 3,000th hit. And these big, you know, 10 to 2 types of losses that they're going through. And there's been an interesting conversation about this over the last four or five years, especially, I feel like, around the Rockies, but certainly in baseball in general. And, uh, you know, run differential, right? That's the thing that really we, we start to get into in this conversation. So, as we're sitting here today, the Colorado Rockies have a positive record at 13 and 10 or an above 500 positive record. It's not usually how people state it, but you knew what I meant. And a negative run differential, mostly because of these blowouts, right? Essentially, right now, what they're doing is winning most of their close games, the three to two, the four to two contests. They're, they're coming out on top in those. And when they lose... They're losing big, right? And there are data analysts who will tell you that run differential is one of the best indicators of future success, right? Essentially that a team could be fooling itself a little bit if they, basically if what's going on right now is happening, which is that you're losing close games, which data analysts often see as a kind of coin flip, right? A one run game to a certain analytic mind is just a coin flip. There's a 50, 50 chance you're going to win that game versus when you win 10 to two in their eyes, it's because you were clearly the better team, right? And over the course of 162, that tends to play out most of the time. The problem is there are outliers every single year. And a lot of times those outliers end up being some of the best teams in baseball specifically because they're so good at winning close games. And so for me, like with anything else in the game of baseball, you simply cannot separate results from process. As much as we like to, as much as we try to, and as much as run differential may be better than doing this at other statistics do, again, you need a larger sample size. So right now, we just don't have enough of a sample size for run differential to really mean much of anything. But the other point that, again, just is far too often left out of this conversation is why? 
why is the run differential bad? Why are the blowouts happening? And conversely, why are the Rockies winning close games? Is it just randomness? And I am here to tell you folks, it is not. It is the part of the process that is going on right now. Think of every blowout you can remember from this season. They have all followed the exact same path. And that is, the starter showed up, did not have it from the get-go. It's happened to Marquez now a couple of times, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Happened to Freeland once, happened to Gomber once. Hasn't happened to Chad Cool yet, right? And I think Senza had one in there as well, where he, he was out of there in the fourth with some runs given up. And then, the team's behind. And with the you know, truncated spring and all of that, especially early on, you know, you're behind three or four runs, maybe five runs last night. What it was seven to one when Marquez came out of the game. So you're you're in a hole because your starter just didn't have it that day. Right? That's how all of these blowouts have started. And then what does Bud Black do? What does he have to do? What was it what would any manager of any big league ball club do? You hand the game over to your minus side bullpen guys. And those guys have been not good. Right? They haven't been absolutely terrible other than maybe Lucas Gilbreth. But the minus side guys in the bullpen have floundered a bit. They're the ones with the high ERA. So that leads to blowouts. Your starter doesn't have it. And then it doesn't make any sense to hand the game over to your plus side guys. You need to save them for the games you're trying to win. And so the team that doesn't have great bullpen depth then hands the ball over to guys who aren't great coming out of the bullpen and the game just gets worse instead of getting better, right? And so, with that being the process of these blowouts, you can see a very clear area where the Rockies can stop them. The biggest one, the most obvious one, not to the easiest, the easiest one to say, but not to do, is to get length out of the starting pitching, right? Just not have quite so many days where the starting pitching, which was supposed to be the strength of this team, and I think ultimately is still going to be, you know, has just fewer of these days where they come out and they just don't have it. And that's something that I think, you know, is going to happen over the course of the season. There's only so much you can do to try to force it to happen. Uh, They've got to trust in their guys. Obviously, there's a lot of coaching that needs to go on in between starts, especially for, again, I'm going to talk about it in just a second. But Herman Marquez is really the only guy in the rotation as I'm recording this right now where we haven't seen him have a good outing yet this year and where I'm truly concerned about not knowing what comes next or how quickly he can get this turned around, right? But for right now, when Cool or Senzatella or Freeland or Gomber are taking the mound, I feel like, yeah, pretty good chance to get a pretty good outing. Anybody can have a bad day on any given day and then a game can turn into a blowout, especially if you don't have depth in your bullpen. But that's why these blowouts are occurring, right? It's the exact same formula, the exact same path every time, which means there's a way to clean that up. And ultimately, and and I know everybody knows this, it's just worth saying again out loud that blowouts count the exact same as regular losses. And three to two wins count the exact same in the win-loss column as the, the blowouts, right? So... What is, on the flip side, the formula for when the Rockies are winning close games? 
Well, it's the exact opposite of what I just described, isn't it? They get a pretty good outing from their starter, though they've had plenty of games where they've gotten an okay outing from their starter and then the bullpen, but but it was enough to be able to hand the bullpen over to the plus side guys. You know, I think they've had one game this year where they really had a big come from behind win that was like the offense bailed them out and they won, right? Other than that, the offense has been pretty steady at just providing them with two to four runs a game, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more, but they're floating around in that area most of the time. The The offense has been pretty consistent in the type of production they've been providing, right? So the difference is all on the other side. It's all out there on the mound right now. When they get a good start, and can hand it over to their plus side guys, they've got a very good chance to win the ball game right now. If they don't get a good start, they're kind of screwed. Right? If they get an okay start, they've found a way to manage that. The offense is good enough that, again, if you can hand it over to your plus side guy, if you're down one, so you're still going to maybe Chassin in that situation as opposed to Gilbreth or Godot. You know, you've you've got a, a chance then because you just need your offense to get you one or two runs late. But when you need your offense to get you eight runs late, that's just not you, you can't do that, right? You 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 can't be burning innings from Bard, Colomay, Stevez, Kinley in those situations. Even arguably Chassin. Because you need them for that flip side of the run differential coin. Why do you win close games when your plus side bullpen guys are going well? So while a lot of people tend to look in at this issue and see just kind of a pile of data that says if you're getting blown out a lot, that's an indicator that you might be a fundamentally flawed team. And if you're winning a lot of close games, that's an indicator that you might just be lucky. But again, you cannot separate process from results in baseball. You've got to look at the why. Why are they winning close games? Oh, because these players are performing this way, and that's perfectly sustainable. Why are they getting blown out? Well, because these other players are performing this way, and that may or may not continue. It also may or may not matter. Remember that the 2017 Colorado Rockies almost, they were going in, I think, to the final week. And I had predicted this before the season. And I see a lot of that team, a similar style in this one. And they had a negative run differential going into, I think, the final week, week and a half of the season. And still made the postseason. They didn't end the year with a negative run differential. I, I only remember that because, again, I put like this big prediction on it but I think they were over by like four or five like barely right but you can be a successful baseball team winning the close games and not always having the depth to recover from when you come out and you don't have it as we all know Anyone being honest with themselves about this team coming into this year and what the season was going to look like, you know, the Colorado Rockies aren't going to win the division. They weren't going to win 100 baseball games. You know, they're battling back toward relevance. An over 500 season is, in my mind, a successful season for this team. And it's something that I think that they're absolutely built to do. But 
you know, the stuff like this is also part of the reason why you can't predict them necessarily to win 90 plus games. I mean, you, you can, but why not a lot of people have, right? Because that top end talent still isn't really there. But the stuff that's been helping them in their wins is. So it's too early to panic one way or another on any of this stuff for me. Um, you know, and, and that's just me. I, I try to be clear, like everybody out there, you know, feel how you feel about anything. Uh, but for me, you know, it's very early in the season. There's still a lot of good indicators. Are the blowouts concerning to an extent? Yes. But again, when I look at the process, I become far less concerned about those individual blowouts and much more focused on can these elements of the team you know, continue to work well and can those those parts that aren't, again, that occasional blow-up start and the, the minus side bullpen guys, can they get a little better production there? Because that doesn't seem quite so unreasonable as it might feel when you're like, man, keep losing 11 to 1. You know, it feels like this huge margin, right? Of course, one key element of it, the other thing that I wanted to talk about on today's show is Armand Marquez. This is strange, folks. I, I don't know what to tell you. As I've said before, I'm not a pitching guru. I am not a scout. Uh, I do obviously watch a ton of baseball and have over the last 10 years and, and studied it. And I've watched Marquez throw a lot. And I can only say that he looks way off to me. And I don't know why. The delivery looks a little bit weird. Um, they have insisted that there's not really a mechanical thing going on. But I don't know how that's possible. And again, it could just be my ignorance with certain things like his command inside the strike zone is terrible right now. And his fastball, especially his fastball command is bad. And it's the one thing that Buddy Black has really come out and said, yeah, it's all about fastball command right now. And almost everything at the major leagues and with pitching really does begin with fastball command. So that could be the case. It really could be as simple as all that, but I'm also seeing a fastball that's sitting more 92 to 94. And he threw a couple of 97 mile an hour ones last night, but they want, you know, the two that I saw that hit 97 weren't anywhere close to where he wanted them to be way out of the zone. So not really helpful, Right. But, I mean, he used to be able to kind of sit on an easy 96-97 with movement. Not always the greatest command, but his stuff has been so good over the years that those command mistakes just haven't hurt him nearly as much as they are this year. And what's going on just, again, from the, the results standpoint is that he doesn't have that stuff right now. The curveball is still a really, really good pitch. The slider is still a pretty good pitch, though it, it becomes far less useful when you don't have your fastball command. And he hasn't had the best command of the slider either. And you can't just throw curveballs all day. Guys will just stop swinging at him or wait for you to throw it in the zone. And then a curveball in the zone is a far more hittable pitch. So he's just kind of lost out there right now. I don't know if he needs to get the velo back as well as the command, but at the very least, he's got to figure out a way to get the command back. I don't know if it's a delivery tweak. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know if this is just one of those 
random things that happens. Pitchers talk about getting dead arm and you know, there are, there are lots of guys who've gone through these weird moments in their career where they just suddenly don't have their velo and don't have their command and can't really explain it. And maybe a, you know, a short trip to the IL is what he needs, but maybe that's the last thing that he needs. Maybe what he needs is to pitch through it, you know, and, and that's why the pitching coaches and the managers and all those guys get paid because those are tough decisions. And there's a lot there to try to figure out because as we all know, again, this team needs Herman Marquez. They need all four or five of those starters. The The main reason they've been able to survive their lack of productive Herman Marquez is that Chad Cool has just been so fantastic, right? But then again, if we remember that, well, Chad Cool, you know, just from our history of watching baseball, we know that it's likely, not necessarily, but likely that he's going to, I can't stay away from the phrase. He's, he's heard them all, but cool off, right? He's, he's going to, he's not going to pitch to a 190 ERA all season. Chad Cool is probably not going to be your National League Cy Young Award winner. That would be really cool and fun and weird and interesting, wouldn't it? But it seems unlikely. And for similar reasons, on the flip side, it seems unlikely that Armand Marquez has just forgotten how to pitch and has just totally lost it before his 30th birthday, right? I I don't believe that Marquez is just like toast. That doesn't make any sense. We know it can happen, but I don't think so, right? And so I think there's just a certain amount of faith in his resume and what he's done before and his ability that it's in there. The only question is, and it's it's for the Rockies staff right now, is is how do you get it to come out? And, and how much can you endure on the flip side that this guy who, you know, you're, you're really hoping is going to be a centerpiece of whatever success that you're going to have this season really hasn't contributed to wins, you know, and that's rough. And we don't know if he's going the way that, John Gray did in 2018 or Kyle Freeland did in 2019 where there really is just some stuff that'll need to get worked out. Maybe it'll be a season-long problem. And if it is, that's going to be very difficult for the Rockies to overcome. No way around it. That's why it's worrisome, right? That's why I, I see a lot of people out there on Twitter. I see people in my Discord really worried if Marquez can't get it together. And it's understandable because he's such an important part of this. And I've never... You know, I've never made bones about it. I've never lied to anybody or, or, or tried to pretend one way or another anything else, right? That this team, in order to be successful, has to have their starting pitching and it has to be these guys that they've invested in, these guys that they've, you know, paid the contracts to stay and have built their, their team around. This whole concept of getting veterans like, Chris Bryant's a little bit more of a long-term, like that's a big, big franchise thing, right? But even bringing back people like Crone, bringing in Randall Gritchick and Jose Iglesias and Alex Colome, all of that is built around the idea that this starting pitching unit is going to be the strength of the team. And that, I think, 
is is the big thing that's got people worried, right? Because it's like, yeah, they're winning so far and they've done some good stuff. Freeland seems to have calmed it down a bit and he's been pretty solid lately. Gomber over his last two outings has been fantastic. Senza appears to be fine. Chad Cool, as we all know, has been super great. But Marquez was supposed to be the best one. And so far he has been comfortably the worst one. And so if Chad is going to cool off, then you need Marquez to heat up. Uh, and maybe when the weather, look, I know he doesn't like pitching in cold weather. That's something I, I, I know about him. And it's been a cold and rainy start to the season in, in lots of places. That's something he needs to figure out how to deal with. That's going to happen. You play an outside sport. But, you know, again, if you're just looking forward for reasons why maybe he's going to be okay, that could be one. But they need him. They they absolutely need him because if if Marquez continues to struggle, I just don't think the rest of the team is deep enough to carry them to a sneaky postseason berth. We'll find out. Well, ho- hopefully we won't find out, right? We, everyone, it's just better for baseball. Everyone wants to see Marquez at his best, man. The guy's awesome. The guy has incredible stuff. Over the last four or five years, he has been one of the most fun things about the Colorado Rockies. When he is on, he is as fun to watch as any pitcher in baseball with his overwhelming stuff. 97, 98 mile an hour fastball with late move, dart, tilt. A knuckle curve slider combination that creates some absolutely ridiculous swings out of incredible hitters. And he's last year kind of added a changeup that was decent. One of the best strikeout artists in franchise history. I think he's still second right after John Gray in strikeouts per nine. So to see him struggle like this is, it is concerning, it's frustrating, it's sad for him, for everybody involved. Saw the, you know, quotes coming out last night, doing everything that he can, and they're all working on it. And just another reminder that these guys are all human beings. They're not machines, they're not numbers on a spreadsheet. There's a lot of stuff that we don't know about, that they don't even necessarily know about, that's going to impact how they play. And, you know, that's why so much ambiguity exists in the game of baseball because there's so many human beings involved in deciding what the ultimate outcome is going to be. So we'll keep our eyes closely on Marquez. Uh, you know, if any pitching gurus are out there and want to totally break down his, uh, his mechanics and his delivery... I'd be interested, but again, I understand why the Rockies don't want to fully do that because they're also not in the business of tipping pitches to their opponents and telling them what Marquez is doing right or wrong uh, when it comes to his delivery on the mound, which is smart. That's how you have to play that. So big frustrating loss for the Rockies in game one against Washington. We will see if they can bounce back and still win the series. They've got Austin Gomber going against Patrick Corbin. Corbin off to a very rough to the start uh, start to the season, <laughs> coming in with an 869 ERA. And they'll get Aaron Sanchez in a Thursday afternoon contest with his 675 ERA. 
The Rockies will send to the hill. Antonio Senzatella in that one with his 366 ERA. And as I mentioned, Austin Gomber in game two has his 386 ERA on the season. So just based on very small sample size stuff, the Rockies should have the pitching advantage here. I know Patrick Corbin has had some ugly rough days at Coors Field before. Uh, We have seen the Rockies now twice this season after a blowout bounce back and win the next game, at least twice, twice that I can remember it happening very quickly, right after the Detroit one where they got destroyed. It was the double header. So that was really, it was like they won again in the same day. Um, So here, here we go. Here we see again, right? Can they... Just flush that game, not worry about it, not see it as an indicator of anything, and recognize that old adage in baseball, that momentum is simply the next day's starting pitcher. If Austin Gomber comes out, throws a good one, and they can hand it to their plus side guys, I predict a win. You know, it's as simple as that right now for this team, honestly. If And I'll say that over the next two. If Gomber and Sensatella can give you quality starts, right, at least six innings, and three runs or fewer. I would even say, you know, give them the five because it's that kind of league anymore and it's still been that sort of season. But five innings and three runs or fewer, though you'd prefer at least the six. But if the Rockies, and it's at Coors Field and the offense again has been going, then you're looking, I think, at worst at a 3-2 ball game when the starting pitcher comes out of the game. And that's a situation where you can still hand it over to your plus side guys because it's close enough. If your starter gets a good outing and you can hand the ball game over to your plus side bullpen guys, Rockies have a very, very good chance to win. Short of that, they got a pretty good chance to get themselves kilt, don't they? So <laughs> it's just been the season so far. We'll see what happens. A lot of it, <laughs> that's why it all comes back to that starting pitching, doesn't it? It's quite the game. All these other things that happen out there, but ultimately the guy that takes the ball out there onto the mound to start the ball game So much of it comes down to what he's got that day. Let's watch another one, and another one, and another one. Appreciate you all for listening into this episode of 20th and Blake. Make sure you're subscribed to all the other podcasts here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and you're checking out all of the written content at milehighsports.com. Other than that, I can only ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you both.